0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com.
1: All right. Anybody who'd like to share anything with us, feel free to jump on. Yeah, ask a question. Just grab the mic right here.
0: Did someone change their mindset from looking outward to looking inward? Or like the opposite, whatever, which one that was.
1: Right, from looking outward at other people to looking inwards I think it starts with an awareness, an awareness of what we're doing. Um, you know, I think that you always look around just because you look around. That's just the nature of a person, right? Because you live your life, you look around. Um, but I think there's a difference between looking and, 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 and looking, you know, like really looking. Ask yourself, what is most of your conversation centered around? How 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 deep is it? Is it full of taichen or is it full of you know products? Like th- I think it's the awareness of what what kind of life we're living that um you know that just says who you are. Um, there's a person who I met once. He came over to me and he he st- started commenting about a car. I think you pick up already. I, I don't. I it's like you're not talking English. I I don't understand a word you're saying. You're talking about the rims and this. I, I, I don't hop what you're saying. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, good. And like the conversation ended like within like four seconds. I I, I wasn't following what the person was trying to convey to me. And he was like, oh, you know, like he was like a little bit like, oh, like I thought we we were, you know, I thought we were schmoozing. It was a good schmooze. And I was like, schmooze, what 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 are you talking about? I don't hop what you're saying. There's certain people who are, are shallow people and there's certain people that are deep people. You have to make sure that the things in our lives... Not you, a person. Everybody, a person has to make sure the things in their life are things that have that have depth and that have meaning, and that those things are the things that give us happiness. Um, I, I think also the concept of of taking accountability in terms of like what we what we can accomplish in our life is such a powerful idea. You know, people always want what somebody else has. Oh, I'm so jealous of that person's marriage. Do you know the work that that person put into their marriage? Any idea? you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I hear some people say like, oh, you don't know what they're struggling with. Also that makes you happier (laughs) because someone else is struggling. That's vicious. That's terrible. Like you should be happy. You should be happy for those people. Like, why should you be like looking at them? Like, oh, they have to be miserable in order for me to be happy. If somebody achieves something, you could use it as a motivation. Wow. You've, you've achieved so much success. Can you share with me your secret to success? That I think is, 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 is great, is wonderful. Ask people for tips. If you see a married couple that's happily married, legitimately ask them, say, give me, give me a marriage tip. Tell me something that works. And I'm telling you, if you do that 100 times, you'll have 100 different pieces of advice, right? And you'll, you'll start to gain a lot of knowledge. You do that in the business world, you'll have 100 pieces of business advice. I have that on my phone. I literally do. I've mentioned this here many times. There are people who are very, very successful that they put in work. You want to know what work they put in? That's that's great. That's where you should start looking. And I think that a lot of people they they say, for example, they say, "Oh, I put so much work into my marriage." They didn't put work into your marriage. You were miserable, so you think you put in work that <laughs> you didn't put in work. You put in misery, so you're like, "I, I was so miserable, it has to account for something." <laughs> that's not called work. Work is where you strategize and you understand that, like, to get from point A to point B. It takes Chachma and you study that Chachma and you ask people who know how to achieve something, how did you achieve this? So I think that this is this is really an awareness. It's a mindset shift between thinking to yourself like, oh, I'm not really jealous of people to realizing that we all look around. We do. And if, if I can use it in a smart way to just discount the things that are just non-stories, it doesn't matter to me that that person has this or that. I don't talk about it. It's not it's not a value to me. I don't sit at my Shabbos table saying to my kids, oh, did you see they got a new car? Oh yeah, they got a new one. It's it's a, it's, it's a seven row. We just don't do that, right? Because that's just, you just don't talk about things that are just so low at a Shabbos table. So that's number one. And number two is when you start seeing things that you know are pulling you in a certain direction, say to yourself, so okay, good. If I if I want that, where is that within me to achieve that? And I'm not saying from a jealousy perspective, but meaning if if that person has something, that person's wealthy, and they and you want to use wealth in order to achieve something in life. to give tzedakah or to have an open house or whatever it is. Then great to so use that as a motivator. But be very honest with where your emotions are going. You know, one of the things that I I, I, I know I'm rambling here, not rambling. But I know that like, I'm talking a lot on this question. I think I think this question is like is like triggering an avalanche of thoughts in my mind. But I think that also when it comes to to strategizing success. You almost have to map it out, or else it just doesn't go. So even when it comes to emotions, if you if you map out your emotions, you oftentimes will find where you go off target. Meaning to say, a person made this comment, and then we ended up in a fight. So it's a beginning and an end. How where where did you get defensive? Like where did, like take take bias? Take ownership about your role in that circumstance, right? Where where why? Because the person made a comment that didn't sit well with you. So what was your reaction? oh, I avoided them for a few weeks or I, I, I didn't answer their call or I disconnected from them or I said something nasty. Like if you map out what happened and then how you can do something different, that's success. Meaning you map out success, you map out your emotions, you're able to see how to take a different pathway in life. And I think that that's all part of the same thing over here is that you use other people's success stories to build your own success. There are people who are very wise in areas, whether it's interpersonal, again, or money, or learning, or emotion, or any of these areas. And you can learn from these people. And if you look at them for that, then that's Kiddush that's, Kiddush. That's amazing. That's wonderful. But if you just look at this top therapist, or this top whoever it is, and you go, oh my gosh, like, like wow, Like this person's so famous, they're so well-known, they're so rich. And So what? So what What does it do for you? Where does it, where do, what does it do for you? Did it teach you something? Did it motivate you for something? Did you learn something? So taking the time to, like, actually build that. Okay. Yes, of course.
0: Well, you just answered this other question. um, First of all, I feel like it's a similar concept, but my two questions are similar. On a similar note. Um, okay. Today, with social media, let's say you just said someone who's, like, a top professional right in a field, or a big artist, it makes big, grand things. Social media makes grand yeah. things look very easy. So, the gel- people, the jealousy comes from, like, oh, my gosh, look at this person. They they do this. so And it, it could be, it's not even real, right? Not that you should think, like, oh, look bad. Maybe they're struggling, everything. Like, oh, maybe he's not even as good at that thing. But a lot of times it's not even real. Like, they're not even that talented They could have <laughs> Photoshopped the whole, the whole art, the, right? All right, the whole life, exactly. So that's, okay, that's one comment about that, that, like, that's why it's hard for people, like, Meaning that it's a trick, almost like people get jealous. My next question is: maybe I should ask this first. Is there a concept not to host, not to get that newer car, not not to like make people jealous? Is there a concept of like tsneis, like not not to cause that, or like just live your life? And because they like,
1: I I I think it's a great question. I think that you know, if you want to, if you want to balance, I'll call it um. Kina uh, to a certain degree, obviously, you know, I would say that these are, these are cousins and, and this is really what you're saying. That if a person goes, I'll, I'll call it on a certain vacation and the whole world has to follow like, oh, so you guys are going to the zoo next. Uh-huh. Oh, great. You know, <laughs> like the whole world doesn't have to tag along on your vacation just because you happen to go somewhere. Like, you know, he talks about, um, he talks about the concept of a person differentiating in their life between, you know, luxury and necessity. And he quotes the Sharetzian, which was written by the Chavetz Fain, that if a person would come up to you for tzedakah, for this item that you want, they say, like, your neighbor's struggling and he needs this, we're collecting, right? So if it was food or water, shelter, most people would say, yeah, it's a necessity, right? But you convince yourself, for example, that you need a certain coat or a certain whatever, not a coat, a certain coat, right? And therefore, you're like, it's a necessity, you don't have, it's like you convince yourself that you need this, right? In our brain, that luxury, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Like that's how we convince ourselves. So he says, if you want to be honest with yourself, ask yourself, if you were giving tzedakah to your neighbor for this item, how would you categorize it? And most people I think would agree in those cases, you'd have a very honest conversation with yourself that this is a luxury, right? It's an unnecessary luxury, right? So the, the concept of being out there in the world, of having a certain exposure is 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 not so great, meaning to say it, it's, it's something which, if it helps motivate other people, so then, okay, but if it's there just to make people jealous or to to i don't even want to use the word jealous," because I think people think, oh, I'm not jealous." what's the purpose let's let's talk about that. What is the purpose? Why is this information have to become something that is out there for the world? I think that that's that's that has to go through a person's mind. You know, I'll I'll just tell you like this. The first speech I ever gave in public was when I was learning by Rabbi Berkowitz's Kyle in Eretz Yisrael, and the neshay of the old city asked the Kyle to send somebody to give a shear on the topic of bein adam So I don't know why I was selected, but I was selected to go walk with my wife to the old city on Shabbos and to speak to the Nesheh. When we came there on Shabbos, the entire old city walls were plastered with this big poster that said, Rabbi Reuven Epstein speaking Nesheh of the old city, this and this topic in this house, right? And as I was walking through like Shariafo, it like hit me like, in like Hashem's city, like on the walls, there's like a plastered, poster with my name on it it I was like oh my gosh I like I was embarrassed honestly I was like I, I can't even believe like this is where David and walked like this is where like Avram Yitzhak Yacob like they came here like like you put my name on the walls of the old city like on the walls like you put I was really like I went to the speech gave a speech I still remember what I said and on Sunday morning I went to talk to, talk to our breakfast and I, I came in and I said I said I said, I have a hard time with this. I My first speech I ever gave happens to be, it was in the old city, put my name on the wall of the old city. So he smiled and he said, that has nothing to do with you.
0: <laughs>
1: it, it was such an awesome line. That has nothing to do with you. They were advertising that the Nishay is getting together. You happen to be the speaker it was such a it was such a good line it was such a good line it's not an ego perspective meaning at that moment like I, I almost didn't know what to do what to do with this information he put it into such a beautiful context in that one sentence it was like it's nothing to do with you and over the years whether we've done different things publicly and I've spoken to our Berkwoods about it he's so clear that publicity is nothing to do with you you're doing something for Hashem for Hashem's children for the Torah, for for chachma. that's what you're doing that's with you as a person like we're vlogging here look at my new tights is any that's what you're doing that's trace, so yeah Exactly, what you're saying is true. That the, the the concept, the balance to this idea of 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 kina is the concept of SNEAS. We'll have a different share on tsniyas, but the, you know, the idea here is not is not you know covering your elbows. It's the idea that like you, you don't put yourself out there to the world from an ego perspective. I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. You don't put yourself out there to the world from an ego perspective. That has really like no place. Then people do struggle with this. Obviously, it's not easy, and a lot of people live for status and for luxury and all that. And a lot of times it's very hard to differentiate between no, no, just just it's it's my friends, it's my chaver, it's my people, it's that. It's very it's very easy to justify doing something like that. So I think it's hard to, you know, to, to, the world is not going to change just from this one class. But the idea that you're saying I think is 100 percent correct.
0: Someone to know. She said, "I feel like I have everything I need, but it gets hard with shidduchim. A lot of times I think, okay, I'm supposed to be where I am, but at times it gets." It's hard, um, how can I live ever how can I live with everything I need? I have everything? How do you live with that mindset?:
1: Right. Whatever's within a person's control to do, they should do. That's their histavavas. The balance of that is their amuna. that It comes down to those two things. It's putting pedal to the metal and then easing off. It's doing everything in your power to accelerate what you think you need in your life and the next stage of your life. Balancing that with the fact that it didn't happen at this time is Letaiva. This is Lataiva. There's a time and there's a place for you. Your chassan is not ready. You may think you're ready, but you have other things that you can accomplish during this time that if you were married would have a hard time for you. I always say, always say, you know, my wife and I didn't have kids for the first four and a half years of marriage. I could promise you, looking back at my script of life, how my life scripted itself out, Had we had children nine months after being married, you would never have heard my name. I promise you that. The way my life came into being, the way it was—we stayed in Eretz Yisrael longer. I went for smichah. The the way it all came together, you never would have heard my name. Guarantee you. If we would have had children after nine months, so who's laughing? Not who's laughing now. Who's writing the script? Like Ozimali, Skipeena, you're like, ah, now it all makes sense. We live our lives with a certain like. We we wrote the script and now God, let's go. You're holding the keys. Why are you slowing? Like you're stuck in traffic. Like what are you doing? There's a time. There's a place. Everything has its time and its place. And you may not see that at the moment, but this is lativa. And if you use it, if it just makes you bitter, so then, you know, that's something obviously that could be worked on at the moment, right? Because life has its disappoint disappointing times. Um. But I'm not saying a person has to upend their whole life just because they're waiting for a shirah, But the balance of where you are has tremendous opportunity for you. Where you are is there's a reason for it right now, and you may not understand it now. One day you will. But there's a time and a place, you know, for everything. I'll just tell you a, a very quick story. Um, I just read this. I, mean, I feel Spiros of the story. His books are incredible, by the way. Like if you could order them, like. In this. man is unbelievable. The story goes that there was a there was a couple that came to the Chavetz Chaim in the Chavetz Chaim's last last year of his life. Chavetz Chaim really wasn't seeing anybody, but they pushed themselves in to like come to the Chavetz Chaim, and they had a baby that was born that was blind and that was deaf, and the mother was wailing, and she basically held out the baby to the Chavetz Chaim. And she said to the Chavetz Chaim, Here, take the baby. I can't deal with this. What did Hashem give me? Blind and deaf baby? I I can't deal deal with this. And the Chavetz Chaim was very old. He was in his last year of his life. And he just sat there and closed his eyes. And he was quiet for like 10 minutes. And then after 10 minutes, he opened his eyes. And he said, I had a Rebbe once. And he said his name. And this Rebbe was Mamash Kaddish Bitarah. His whole life. And when he came to Shemayim, they judged him on everything. And there was a few very small things that they found. And he realized that he could potentially get higher up in Shemayim than where he was going to get now. So they offered him to come back into this world if he wants to try again to get even higher. So he said, but what, what are the chances? I'm, I'm not going to do an avera. I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to do anything. And they told him that if you come down once again, and you're blind, and you're deaf, and you just live in your own isolation, then you'll receive the tikkun for these few little things that you need. And then when you come back here, you'll be on a level that very few people are able to get to. And he said, I'm a kabble. So this woman took her baby and turned around and walked out. There's so many like in life. like We're not privy to see even 1% of 1% of them. Again, we're not the Chavetz Chaim, so we don't see that perspective. But, you know, knowing that there's a script and the script is written and we're part of that play and the ultimate, you know, conductor is conducting this, then everything is L'tayvah. Everything has its time and everything has its place. Every challenge has its reason. And if you keep your head above water and you don't get bitter and you don't get down and you don't allow yourself to, you know, feel sorry for yourself, but rather you look at it like, I'm great. I'm awesome. By the way, you know who wants to marry awesome? Awesome. If you hold your head up, you know, usually you attract a pretty awesome guy. When a person becomes so upset and so sad and so down, that itself can, you know, detract. Unfortunately, sometimes from just people's ability. So, yeah, I think it is important to to keep your head up. And why is it like that? Okay, tefillah, this balance, it, it goes very, very far. But with a certain centeredness that there's no, there's no anger or there's no bitterness. I think that that's just super important. Just for light center. Anything else? Yeah, sure.
0: You were talking about building an emotional roadmap and taking all the advice you can get. Um, I was wondering if you can give any picks. um Many times he talks about building an emotional understanding of oneself and other people. Is there a concept of thinking too much and too much analyzing? such a good question um good question i think that
1: i'm hesitant to say say no only because like you know you see people who get stuck in the analytics of it and therefore they don't get to like the lamaisa of it you know i i like to think that a good or at least i'll share with you like what worked you know for me and my wife it was sort of taking like Sugyas. I don't mean like written Sogyas, but like emotional sugyas or marriage sugyas or dating sugyas, like different concepts, different ideas and and schmoozing it out, like just talking it through. I've mentioned this many times. A lot of times our Friday night meals would go all night because we were just like talking and talking and talking, like just like, like unearthing like the the depths of like this concept or this idea to try to get to a certain point understanding and what would be in that case and why would a person do that and then why would I do this versus why would you do that so I think that once a person like unlocks certain level of understanding it becomes yours and then you don't have to work on it so much in the future so meaning to say I think a lot of people they are analyzing themselves and they go I'm very self-aware their their self-awareness oftentimes is just simply that they're trying to be self-aware. It's like the person who says, I'm working so hard on my marriage because I'm miserable. You didn't work hard. You're miserable. Your self-awareness, you don't really have self-awareness. You just know that right now, your brain is going a million miles an hour. So you're like, wow, I, 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 I must be very self-aware. Maybe not. Maybe you're trying to make heads or tails. You just don't have the skill to figure out what's heads and what's tails. So therefore, you think you're self-aware, but you're not self-aware. You're just self-aware that you're trying to be self-aware. Does that make sense? If you actually study what you're trying to be self-aware about, then when the next time it comes up, probably in a few seconds or a few minutes, you'll understand what you did and then you'll get yourself back on track. It won't take you so long because you actually understand. So if a person realizes that they have low self-esteem, a person realizes that they are very judgmental. If a person realizes they're very negative, if a person realizes that they have something that they want to work on, and then something comes up, and all of a sudden their brain just starts going like a ping pong ball, you know, all over the place, that person would be very wise to figure out how do I slow down this ball so I can analyze why did I get to this place, what is it? And I, and I I always say I see this in my office like literally every night. It was it's like light bulbs go off, like people are like oh, and once once there's like that oh, it's like where the where the loop just just stops. You're not going around in circles. You're st- you're starting to actually make sense of it. So, is there too much, you know, analysis? Um, I don't know if there's too much, but I think that if it's not productive analysis, if it's not actually like short attainable goal, like if it's not like lamisa, if it's not really the understanding: If light bulbs are not consistently going off, then you might just be spinning your wheels and thinking that you're doing something, but in reality, you may not be. I'm sure everybody here can relate to people who who say they're so self aware, and you're like, "So then, why do you do anything that you do?" Right? The answer is because they're not. They just they 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 say, "Oh yeah, they say I'm so self aware." They're <laughs> right, but the reason why. The reason they're saying that is because they feel such an emotional pull and they're aware of the emotion. So they're like, oh, I'm aware of the emotion. Great. But, but you, you haven't figured out how to get from point A to point B with that emotion. This is very deep. Yeah, this is, that was a very deep question. But yes, again, but, but usually, but let's use that example. I know that I'm eating now, right? I know that I'm eating now right? Blah, 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 blah. And your brain just starts going in 57 different directions. But if a person really had true self-awareness, then they would be able to isolate. I'm eating now because this is a comfort to me. The reason why I need the comfort is because of this, right? I have this underlying insecurity and therefore the emotional eating, I don't feel very secure with myself. And therefore right now I feel good. It feels good, but there's no repercussions. Like your brain is like going through like all those steps and you're like, okay, good. So therefore if I work, I'm making myself like, that's like actually like following the balancing ball. But if a person's not doing that, they're just like, "Eh, whatever, just won't weigh myself. (laughs) You know, that's not self-awareness. That's just awareness that you're not at a certain place. So, yeah. All right. You have a question? Okay, we have one more question here. Yeah. Okay, go ahead.
0: (laughs) You need a car and like you're, you're your neighbor like he just got like a tesla and yeah. you and you really like want that car and right. you need a car are you allowed to get that or like
1: oh that's a that's a really good question so let's say you want to get a car and your neighbor has a car and you're like hey um can i use the fact that my neighbor has a car as a motivation for me to get the car that that's a really really smart question like your parents are <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think the answer is, is that if you are using your your neighbor's information, for example, the fact that they looked into a car and they said, I got a Tesla. Well, why did you get a Tesla? Well, because I made the analysis on gas and it's cheaper, insurance, whatever. And therefore, we got a Tesla. By the way, is it comfortable? Can I take it for a spin? Yeah, it actually, it's comfortable. It's good, whatever. And you you look at it, as they say, objectively, meaning you look at it like, I'm not getting it because my neighbor has it, but he gave me a good idea to get this, then I think that that's great. That's great. You use the people around you as a resource to figure out how to improve your life. But if you get a Tesla and you realize after you buy it that it's not so comfortable like you thought it was, and nobody knows, but you don't even have like full automatic driving. You don't even have that feature, Right. And you're like, oh, I look at my Tesla, look at my Tesla. And you're posting it on your status just to show people that you got a Tesla. But the reality is that deep down, you're miserable that you have this Tesla. And you're thinking to yourself like, this was not even the most practical thing for me to get. I really needed a bigger car, a bigger family. And like your brain is realizing that you cheated yourself, that you only bought this because you looked at your neighbor and you saw a cool car in the driveway and you're like, oh, I think that would be cool to have. That is the concept of Kenna you bought it because you looked at somebody else and therefore you got a little bit blinded. And if you would have looked at yourself and your own needs and said, I have this type of family and this is what I need for my family and I need something totally different than my neighbor. So let him enjoy his Tesla and let me enjoy my car. That is a healthy person. That was a pretty awesome question. All right, (laughs) very good. Have a wonderful, awesome week, everybody. Thank you for joining us.